your faith is. Look close and read, and you will find God. Unpack the faith in the fiction. Take up this lens with conviction. Look close and read, and you will find God. Welcome everyone to our first episode of our very f- new podcast. It's the Urban Fix Book Club. Ooh, awesome. I'm Sean, and I'm joined today by my friend Myra. Hi, everybody. It's Myra here. Really excited to get this going. Uh, we have a great book. It's a classic. Probably going to bring up some childhood memories and um, such. So, Sean, take it away. What are we doing today? Today, in this kind of introductory episode, we're going to talk a little bit about why you should read The Giver. That's the book that we're reading during Lent, because this episode should drop on Ash Wednesday. So, I hope you got to church. Regardless, we hope that you have a blessed Lent, and hopefully this podcast and this book will be kind of part of your Lenten journey this year. So we're going to actually, before we get into that, I wanted to kind of drop some history about Myra and myself. We actually started a book club years ago. Yeah. Myra, do you remember what that book club was ago. called? Ark something a reading crew with a K. That now sounds really bad now that I think about it. But it was Ark as an Ark of the Covenant. And uh, we wanted to think about, you know, Mary and how um, she held the Ark of the Covenant uh, within her, I mean, layers upon layers of, of meaning of that. And that's kind of what we did as a book club was just look at layers upon layers of these books. And not just any books, too. It was... I believe we did Taming of the Shrew at one point. Not Taming of the Shrew. No. The Screw Father Tape Elijah. Letters. Screw Tape Father Letters. Elijah too. Father Ooh. Elijah. So maybe you know we'll we get into really, Father Elijah. No, we need to go do that again. We do. We got we read some some good books. And I and I really missed that. And I really missed I our too. kind of discussions and analysis and just being with people actually in this in this kind of weird pandemic time. Yeah, because we used to hold them at what? A local Starbucks, mm-hmm. another little coffee shop, or uh, the tea room at local Venetia. Holler at your Venetia local stores. <laughs> and I like how, you know, us kind of self-professed bibliophiles, we named our, our group a reading crew, ARC, and <laughs> we deliberately misspell it. So um, we take great uh, license with language. But I wanted to get to kind of get to, and for the the listeners to kind of get to know us a little bit more. Um, so, Myra, what inspired your love for reading? Oh wow! I mean, reading came to me as a gift from uh, a former teacher. I can still remember because uh, it was second grade, and it was my favorite time of the day when he used to. Uh, Mr. Jordan Cook, public school, hurry when it was great, uh, second grade, we used to sit on the reading on the mat, and then we would listen to him read, and he would read these amazing classics. I mean, you're talking about 
Ronald Dahl's BFG, Matilda, to um, all the scary ones that I can't even remember and that's how scared I was from them. And then going up into Keep Going and my fourth and fifth grade teacher, Miss Jan Fetterly, you know, made such a profound impact on my life. She introduced me to classics like The Black Pearl, uh, Legend of the Blue Dolphin. I mean, Island of the Blue Dolphins. Island of the Blue Dolphins. Oh, so good. And, you know, opening my mind to a world of imagination and an endless imagination, especially for a kid who wasn't allowed to play outside. I mean, Mm I I lived in a not so great part of the city, and so um, my sources of recreation were my books, and then the television that I occasionally turned on when my parents weren't home. Uh, sure. So books, you know, just take you places, and you just can't be locked down when you're in a book. And so, especially now in mm-hmm. pandemic times, I think it's more important that we grab onto books because. They're going to take us places that my governor's not letting me. So, sure, and and you know, with books, it's it's also good not to be in front of another screen, um, because we're in front of screens oh, yes. a lot. So for me, my my love for reading started like you as a little child. My my parents would read to me. There's there's even a recording of my mom reading to me. I must have been like three years old. Uh, the story of like the three little pigs. No, I think I was just thinking about it. It's one of those um, cassette tapes, I believe. And I remember listening to it. So, yes, my mom reading to me the story of the three little pigs. And I, as a three-year-old, telling her to skip over the part about the big bad wolf. Just to skip over it. I don't want to hear about the big bad wolf. Uh, like you, I had teachers read to me in school and... And that, that's how I spent my summers. I spent my summers in libraries. And oh, they would give yeah. these, those pro, do you remember those pro, those summer programs where if you read so many books, you get a little prize, either from the library and then from school, it was the book it, during book it, and then you got oh, the pizza. The Scholastic Book Fair. You get the Scholastic oh, Book Fair, totally. Oh my goodness. It was always the best. You had that like really thin, like, little advertisement thingy that yes, give you a preview yes. of all the books and then you would open it up and I don't know about you but I would always circle the ones I want I went mom yeah. I want this one it was always Garfield <laughs> comics I'm so sorry but yes I do know what you're talking about and the pizza rewards and yes. the fact that there was air conditioning inside the John F. Kennedy library thank you <laughs> now did you prefer libraries or bookstores oh libraries to just kind of get lost in wander through the aisles of books libraries all the time especially since i knew my library like the back Mm -hmm. of my hand yes and um i i could sit there for hours i do credit one of the librarians there her name was ursula i this is how funny my memory is her name is ursula and we used to read i spy books together Oh. And I, I would have to find things. I am now a really good master of finding stuff. So libraries, thank you for my odd skills that are very like helpful. In finding stuff rooms. like in 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 a in a picture, like you can like in spot a picture, the hidden in a room. Yeah, as long as I know what it is, I can find it really fast. That's a skill. It's random skill <laughs> <laughs> helps in an escape room. You have to admit. Sure. 
Now, what was, did you have a favorite book, like of all time, or a book, obviously besides the Bible, that had a major impact on your life? I don't know about a, a book that had a major impact on my life, but I think one of the books that I will constantly pick up is The Westing Game. Um, it's the it's Westing a children's Game. yeah, it's a really short book, children's classic. It's by Ellen ba Raskin, and um, it's about this young lady who moved into this new tower of apartments, and there's a series of bombs going off, and she has to figure out why. So that one, or Hope Was Here by uh, Joan mm. Bauer. Hope Was Here, um, that's not too, too young, young for young readers, but uh, mm -hmm. was about this another young lady who every time something significant happened in her life, she actually planted trees. And so trees. that, yes. And so, wow. you know, like uh, I, I was thinking about doing that, you know, um, I wish did I the did tree you. respond to something in particular, like, you know, an apple tree, you know, would respond to... No, no, no. It was just... Uh, graduating was from just, school or something. Yeah, it was just her way of signifying milestones in her life. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. eventually when she does plant more, um, it comes to more, t more and more meaningful milestones, especially in that tough life that she has that you just have to read. I just can't. I don't want to spoil it. Um, okay. But how about you? Did you have any books that really heavily impacted your life? Yes. Um, first, it was My Side of the Mountain. <gasps> Do you remember that? So it's a story about yes. this young boy who kind of leaves home and goes to this property in the wilderness and survives. And he makes friends with an eagle, I believe. And he lives in a hollowed out tree and he makes his own clothes. And I love <laughs> that kind of survival in nature thing. So also Island of the Blue Dolphins, to some extent, Boxcar Children. Oh, okay. Wait, wait. Go, go be going back to my side of the mountain, Sean. Yes, yes. At one point, did you consider leaving home and trying to survive based off of that book? No, but I'll t I'll tell you what I did. I I don't know how old I was, but I I had this thing where I think he he there's a scene where he's trying to like cook. I think he grounds nuts or acorns and he makes some meal or some like biscuit or a pancake or something. So for a whole week after that, I would <laughs> I would make my own biscuits and I would pretend that I'm in the wilderness and I'm like grinding the flour and <laughs> making these handmade biscuits and I would eat just all biscuits for every meal that I made that I for baked. Every yes, for a whole week. I, I do have to say the most traumatic scene in that book was the rabbit liver for me, for me. Um, I mean, for anybody oh, yeah. who has, mm -hmm. who has read it, you'll, you'll know exactly what I mean. But, um, I, you know, it's almost like learning survival tips as a, as a fifth grader or something. Like that. I know it, it was amazing. Um, <laughs> I also like thief of always, um, by Clive I Barker, I believe it's, it's a kind of a darker middle school, junior high kind of, kind of story. Um, but honestly, as a kid, I, you know, you're talking about, you knew the library, like the back of your hand. I knew my, like my local library as well. 
but really one particular section, and that was the the mythology section, mythology and folklore. I've I've always had a fascination of that, you know, the Greek Roman gods and goddesses, um, yes. all those stories. Because I think those traditions and those folklore, and you know, and from you know my family, we have our own kind of oral traditions too. And and you know, particularly when we're camping and we're telling, we're sitting around the fire and we're we're telling these same stories that we've heard, but we ask the same uncle to tell them again, and then now with. You know, I have younger, uh, younger nephews and younger cousins, and we're kind of telling them those stories too. I really love that that genre. I I love that, especially since you know us being Catholic and and the whole mm. thing with Greek mythology and having its own set of rules, kind of yes. having its own traditions, and connecting that back to Catholicism. You know, having Catholicism because it has its own set of rules. You know, its creed and its code mm-hmm. and its own set of traditions. It's you start to see that uh, the beauty of the faith. Um, and how beautiful it, it really is when you start to look at it in the backdrop of other things, such as, you know, Greek mythology, but then Catholicism. I mean, it just gets beautiful from there. And, and hence why we had a book club, or at least an in-person book club at one point, because it was just yeah. so fun to, like, compare all these books to our Catholic faith and trying to draw out things with it. And that's kind of our hope with this podcast, right? It's, oh, for sure. We're reading a book. We're trying to draw out Catholic themes in it. Um, you know, just as as we try to figure out Catholic themes in all things, you know, mm-hmm. urbanpix.com. That's how we do it there. But what else are we doing today, Sean? And, well, you know, to kind of stay on that theme, talking about these works of fiction and how they could help us grow in our in our faith life you know i'm reminded by um a quote from jrr tolkien right um who wrote the lord of the rings and of course there's there's many allegories and catholic allegories in lord of the rings as well as oh yeah talk about layers upon sure layers. oh man he you know who it, that takes some deep diving. Um, but of course, you know, you have, uh, and Tolkien was, I believe, friends with C.S. Lewis, who wrote um, Chronicles of Narnia, A Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is a bit, you know, still in that That's fantasy nice. world, but it was only for a simple person like me. It was a bit more explicit, you know, with Aslan and the the table and breaking the table and resurrection from the dead, sacrifice, love. And so going back to Tolkien, he described this these kind of fantasy fiction stories as elf stories or elf land. Um, these fairy stories, he might call them, like they have a purpose. They play a role in our faith life in that it helps us to consider another world, right? A world that truly exists, but a world which we may not see. The world the world of of angels, of demons, of our brothers and sisters, the saints in heaven praying for us, right? Um mm-hmm. more than just the material, you know, our our you know, you of course, you know, have a have a a science background that the world seems to be so focused sure. on the material on what can be touched and observed and measured 
and and the world of the spiritual um but you see you see a deep longing for that still because we're you know we're made for that we're made for heaven so there is no matter no matter how how caught up we could be in materialism as it were there's still a longing for the spiritual world and and that I think is what what fantasy, what fiction, kind of helps point us toward. Um, but what do you what do you think? Are there any kind of works of fiction that had a, a, an impact on your on your spiritual life? I mean, what work of fiction has not, especially well written works yes. of fiction? I have to say, when the author really hits it on the head and gets it right, and um, and not I'm not saying it's not a good book if it doesn't. But I, I do think that all beautifully written books, especially works of fiction, of fiction um, works of fiction, you know, when you cast the net. <laughs> yes, we're anyway, so works of <laughs> works of fiction uh, point to some truth. Yes. And I mean, it and that's that, beauty, right? Isn't that what beauty does, yes. right? Yes. Right? Pope Benedict's of the 16th, you know. Beauty will save the world. Beauty but, will um, save the world. Yes, that beauty really points to the higher truth, and and that is God. And so, um, is there a particular book? Um, I don't know. I can't, I read so no many. No worries. You know things. what, oh, what comes to mind is uh, the book that that you had suggested um, a while ago. Um, oh, the 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 Antichrist. That was uh, Spirit, Lord of the World, Spirit of the World. Well, Lord of the World. Was that it? The one that Pope Francis recommended yes. that we all yes. read, I think it's Lord of it's Lord of the Worlds by Robert Hugh Benson. Father, Father and, Robert um, Hugh Benson. If I recall. Father yes. Robert Hugh Benson, that you, that's right. It is about the Antichrist, yeah. and it was the first time the Antichrist was written about in any work of fiction. And so this book had its uh, really made strides in that sense. And at, at first, people didn't read it because of that, mm. uh, but. Uh, it's very interesting, as Pope Francis says. It's pretty prophetic. Mm-hmm. Again, we <laughs> that could be another book that we do. no, we we totally we should. And like you you said about the the Hunger Games, we really like that series. Um, and then they recently released the the prequel, right? To that, what was it? The the Ballad oh, of, uh, of Songbirds and the Snakes. The Ballad of Songbirds snakes. and Snakes. Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't bad that also could Mm -hmm. be a great book to look at you know how does how does evil develop uh but you know i don't want to give it away i know that's what you get when you get two bibliophiles together we just kind of geek out i'm like get the books um Yes, but so but we're focusing on, on this book for Lent. So you, you, <laughs> we should probably I talk do, about I the know, book yes. we're about to do. So you're telling, you're saying that it could bring up memories for people. For me, it brings up no memories because I did not read it in in either junior <laughs> high or high school. I saw it on a reading list, and I I, I chose other books that were shorter. Like I read The Little Prince. I read The Red Pony, which actually I think was a mistake. Okay, Red Pony. Exactly. The red pony that was it a died. You so like the second this chapter over or something. The red pony. Okay, you spoiler, oh, spoiler alert. But, you need uh, but, to tell people. But it, this is why we. That's can't. right. But don't pick pick another book. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The, the point is pick another book. A, that was a terrible. Read? That like scarred me. The red pony. <laughs> I just kind of mercifully. You and every it was other short. mercifully sixth grader it was short. in the world. Oh. 
Um, that, The Hobbit, The Hobbit was a great short read yeah. too. Um, but but I still can't believe you didn't read The Giver. I which didn't is read The Giver. Part of the so reason why I forced us to do yes. it. So why why should people read The Giver as part of their kind of Lenten journey? Well, okay, so The Giver. Why The Giver in the first place? First of all, you know it it really is a classic. Many children are now reading it as part of their requirements. And it's usually assigned in the six to seven, you know, the middle school ages because it just talks about the complexity of growing up and the different things these young children experience as they grow up and kind of seeing that happen to this main protagonist, Jonas, that we'll talk about eventually. Um, The Giver, especially The Giver during this Lent, another pandemic Lent, you know, just talking about the need for human connection. And that's a lot of what the giver talks about, this need for human connection, human interconnectedness, and the transformation of this protagonist and and what it represents um, or what it can represent from sin to repentance versus living in our own bubble. I mean, if it wasn't the giver, it probably had to be the Matrix. But then I really just wanted to read The Giver because it was more of a classic. I mean, well, I'm excited. And, um, yes, wasn't going to watch the movie. <laughs> By the way, The Giver, the movie, yeah, not does not do it justice. But you know, nothing will ever do your imagination justice. Sure, so never mind. Sure. Well, thankfully, I haven't. I haven't watched the movie either, so I am like oh, this is brand it. spanking new to me. Um, I I know you. I had asked you to do a little profile on the author so tell me like who tell me a little bit about who who wrote this book so lois lowry she is a great writer she actually she's actually born in hawaii and she has a degree in english literature and around the time that she wrote this particular book it was around um i believe the first gulf war and so that was kind of the mindset that she was in and one of the main things she said she was inspired by as she was writing the giver were the interaction she had with her elderly father and um what did we call this interaction of memories and how those things affects people and so you'll you'll see how in the book she probably her, her father greatly influenced how the giver interacted with jonas it's a really great book um hopefully you consider joining us you may be busy like I'm busy, but I'm going to tell you right now, The Giver is a really easy read. Um, It is short. It is probably as short as The Red Pony. So if you were going to pick up The Red Pony, you might as well pick up The Giver Giver instead. (laughs) Man. I already went over that, Sean. You should have definitely picked The Giver. So, yeah, so Um, tell me. So, like, people who aren't, you know, who aren't (laughs) used to reading or incorporating books into into their life, particularly busy people, because we're all busy now. Yeah. How could they make time or how could they delve into this book and join us for our for our discussions and conversations? So I definitely think there are two things that you can consider. So one, I say um, giving yourself a goal per day is great. And then you stick to that goal. So like if you say I'm going to read five pages today or maybe it's five minutes and then you set a timer for yourself or maybe it's even one page those are great and then you just stick to it. One of my favorite things to do is actually read right before falling asleep. It almost lends itself to fun dreaming. But you know, you really can't read scary books right before you dream. <laughs> um, that's another episode for another day. Another episode, um, but yeah. 
the second thing I would really suggest is audiobooks. Mm. Audiobooks are great. You know, I had the pleasure of depending on audiobooks last year when I had a concussion. I actually discovered a great love for them, especially when the voice actor was great yes. at reading in multiple voices. And so um, audiobooks are great for commuters, um, mm -hmm. exercisers, you know, you're on your treadmill and why not? You run faster as um, things are getting really exciting in the book and run slower <laughs> as, when um, you're getting sad. Or uh, dishwashers, you know, while you're washing dishes, yes. you know, stick Doing that laundry. book on. Yes. Do it, you know, any multitaskers out there, you can listen to an audiobook and multitask as much as you can slash want. So hopefully you'll join us and, and give yourself some, you know, give yourself some time. But um, I'm letting you know this book is is a really simple and easy read. Chapters are not long. Um, no, there are not pictures. Sorry, AJ, my husband. Um, but it really is a simple book. The The lexicon on this isn't, mm -hmm. isn't that high. Oh, very nice. And and the um, I like Kindle. I, I use the Kindle, too, nowadays. And if you, you sync it up, if you also... Sometimes if you buy the, the Kindle book, it'll also you could also buy the... Um, the audiobook from Audible for like a discounted price. So you could do both. And it could you could read a little bit and then when you go on the audio it like it, it knows where you left off. It's pretty cool. I you know, I am a pro paper person, but I know, um, me too. Hey, I know. if you if Kindles get you to read, then go Kindles. Excellent. And I know there's some people out there who might be asking, but Sean and Myra, you know, Probably the giver, not. it's it's too easy. Come on, I read Saint Augustine's Confessions in the original Latin and maybe in, and translate it to Greek just for fun. <laughs> yeah, we got you. you. We got you. We'll well, it's it's a process. So we'll we'll build up to those kind of more you know theological, more kind of more uh, heady or or academic stuff. But you know, for this very first thing, I think you were absolutely right in suggesting. The Giver. Mm -hmm. It's approachable to, to a lot of people, and hopefully it'll kind of get people excited about tuning in every other week to listen to our podcast. So so here's the part where I, I kind of give you your reading assignment. So our first kind of chunk that we'll be discussing is going to be from chapters 1 through 7. Chapters 1 through 7. Through the end of 7. Yes, through the end of seven and it's a cliffhanger and <laughs> you'll probably be be tempted to read further which is fine no it's totally fine if you want to like kill the book in like a weekend or if you're myra you know during your lunch break oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah why not but i, I am mean... a definitely a slow reader so um from here on out you could expect an episode every other week and in those kind of in-between weeks you could still kind of join our discussion. Um, all the time. All the time. Our, our kind of first discussion question is, would you like to live in this world? So you'll start reading the book in chapters one through seven. You'll be introduced to this new world, this new society. Would you like to live there? What were some like cool things you, you like about it? Obviously, there are some major drawbacks to it. And what do you think is the basis of that society, you know? So, you know, that that's kind of a more, I know, a more kind of conceptual question. 
you know, if you particularly if you think about what's the basis of our society, which this year has been tested, really, our social bonds and our social foundations, they've definitely been been tested. So what, what do you think is driving the society and the community, as they call it, in in that book so so those are some uh some kind of questions to kind of get you started you could you could send us your your replies or you could just even ask if you got a question yourself that you want us to answer um we'll also be like reading your questions and hopefully answering them in our podcasts so uh, a couple ways you could do that first um, you could go to our website urbanpicks.com where you could also find information about all the other wonderful podcasts that urban picks produces um you could also follow us on twitter and on instagram at urban picks and so we look forward to hearing back from you hearing your questions and your feedback and just kind of going on this lenten journey and this reading journey with us until next time i'm sean and i'm myra and we'll see you on the next page this podcast is a production of Urban Picks, All Things to All. Theme song and audio production by Ethan Coe. You can find all of our content on our website, www.urbanpicks.com. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, everybody. We will see you next time.